Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Juneteenth. We actually record this episode the day after Juneteenth and the day after Father's Day. So happy Juneteenth and happy Father's Day to all the dads. On this episode, we switch places with Joe and Carmela of the Wine Pair Podcast. If you listen to our reintroduction episode, I took a snippet from our interview with the Wine Pair Podcast, and we had so much fun with Joe and Carmela, we had to have them on our show. Before this interview begins, don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and leave a comment. Here is our interview with Joe and Carmela of the Wine Pair Podcast. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Happy Juneteenth. Glennis, what's Happy up? Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Um, yeah, just um, f- full. Just really full. And not, and not just sure. eating popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell, tell me about your weekend. I can't wait to hear about it. Well, this was an event um, coordinated by one of my sorority sisters who went to Howard. And um, I thought it was outstanding idea to do bison on the uh, bison's on the aisle, an HBCU Juneteenth um, celebration. And Joe, if you if you all don't know, um, bison is our mascot at Howard. So oh, that's what God. bison on the aisle. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a potpourri of tours out outdoor eating events, um, and just socializing. The two major tours was a Gullah tour, who um, was curated by a gentleman who, excuse me, family is is historic, his ancestors are from South Carolina. And he went through the whole Gullah Geechee differences and all the historical places in Charleston and downtown Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, we also went to Boone Hall Plantation, which has been around since the 1700s. It has gone through different um, ownerships, but when the Boones owned the plantation in the mid 1700s, it consisted of about 80 slaves, 80 to 100 mm-hmm. slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting. Some people thought that that was a l- <laughs> not that many slaves, and I had to remind them to own slaves was like owning prop was owning property, and to own that many that many pieces of property, as we would consider, was still a lot. But they were comparing it to the German individual who came in and bought Boom Plantation, who mm-hmm. bought it, and he had German. Um, aristocracy in his bloodline. So he had 200 to 250 slaves. Their production on the property, which was one of my questions, well, what were they producing? Was it agriculture? Was it um, well, was it fruits, vegetables, and those, that type of agriculture? Because a lot of people don't think cotton is agriculture, but it is. <laughs> because it's a, it's a plant <laughs> that creates the cotton thread. Um, so it, they grew fruits and vegetables. They grew cotton. But what was an interesting piece, and this is the last piece I could talk about this through this whole podcast, but that's not what we are here for. Um, when we drove up, the slave cabins, as you if you saw in my post, Sarita, was all brick. Mm-hmm. It was masonry. So I did decide, I said, well, you know what, one of two things is going on here. Either they 
dress these up for these tours to make these houses look nice? Or this family also did some other type of business and come to find out now whether this is made up to make them cabins look good or not, nobody can, nobody can tell me. But the property they were, they claim was one of the largest in the United States at the time, brick making wow. industry, this plantation. And the bricks in the um, slave houses were bricks that were not of the right specs that could be sold. So the slaves, and I do believe they did it on purpose because we were just so innovative like that. They got to make their houses out of the unused bricks. Mm, so that's okay. why those slave cabins were made. Of hmm. Interesting. Wow. So it was a really, uh, it's a really, it was a really nice day. It was hot as fish freeze. Let me tell you, South Carolina is hot. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, but, you know, the wow. Lord takes care of its own because they have a lot of moss trees. Mm-hmm. So the tree, it kept it in the shade, um, well, acceptably cool. Okay. And you've been oh, some great weather here for some odd reason. The weather is beautiful here. I, I, this, yeah. the past two days, it's been I like it 60, 65 degrees. Right. So it's been 60 degrees in the morning and like no humidity and like a high of like 75 or 80. I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is, but it Let is. Let me tell you what I said it was. I said, the the Lord, is- I told you, JC, Jesus <laughs> Christ, and our Savior got jokes. He was like, oh, you want to go to a plantation? I'm going to let you feel like he was. <laughs> He's truly on a plantation, little girl. <laughs> Uh, as far as my Juneteenth, um, I just spent the day with um, with family. It was a big Juneteenth cookout. Um, everybody had Juneteenth bracelets and T-shirts. It was very, very cute. Um, and my last post, I was looking for like a sort of like a Juneteenth inspired recipe to post. And um, I came across um, Booker T. Washington pieces of his autobiography. And I found this story because I was looking, I was like, was breakfast a thing in slavery? Did they eat before these long days in the field? Anyway, long story short, I came across Booger D. Washington's autobiography and pieces of it. And he talked about breakfast. He said that slaves ate mostly corn and pork in the morning before their long day in the fields. And in order to get this corn, they had to be where the animals were fed at a certain time in the morning. So if they weren't at that place at a certain time, all of that corn would go to the animals and then they would have to sift through troughs to feed themselves for for that corn. So um, I made um, corn, corn pancakes, you know, in response to that. But yeah, it was a it's an interesting story. Well, that's an interesting dynamic. This is because we also found out on the plantation because each slave quarters had an automated um curator because mm-hmm. they can't have anybody all day long because it's not always time the different events and one of the um curations orations was stating well how could these people work those type of hours and we're talking sun up to sundown at a minimum of 12 hours that's right. if they weren't walking miles to get whatever it was needed. Yeah. What was ever, which was ever needed for the plantation. So 
found out that they, after they got back home at night, they would go out hunting because they had to have some protein. Mm -hmm. So besides the things that was thrown away in the um, excavations of different areas, because this plantation is 783 acres. So in the excavation, they would find um, old plates and bowls that was, you know, thrown away Mm -hmm. by the um, aristocracy and bones, like different coons, squirrels, all types of protein that the masses didn't know they were eating at night. Mm -hmm. So not only were they, whatever was thrown away, because, you know, anything from the hog that the masters didn't want. They ate, so that's how pig, t- pig feet became mm-hmm. um, a delicacy in um, intestines. And what does it call them? Oh, chillings. Yeah, those, because I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like to say the name. So besides uh-huh. that, they were they were hunters as well. Well, they, you know, they were hunters yeah. from Africa. But that's what they ate to sustain themselves and mm-hmm. have enough protein. Wow. wow. What a day. Yeah. Oh. So much history. Yeah, And absolutely. that's a, a little bit of it. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, what is everybody drinking? <laughs> wow. Oh, wait, our special guest. Yes, we have two special guests. Welcome to the podcast. How are thank you guys? You. Great. We are great. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It's right. Absolutely. So um, while we gather what we're drinking, please introduce yourselves to everybody. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So again, you know, thank you for having us. We had so much fun when we had you on our podcast a couple of months ago. So uh, we couldn't wait to talk to you again. So quick intro. Uh, we're Joe and Carmela. We are a married couple. We've been together for, I think, what, forever? forever. Yeah, we've been together forever. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, we call ourselves uh, the wine pair, at least uh, when it comes to our podcasting lives. But we do have we do have other lives. Right. We do. And we, well, we live in Seattle. We both, which by the way, you guys were talking about whether we're still waiting for summer to come. Yes. Like, Are you yes. kidding? No, oh, wow. it's yeah. so it's been unseasonably cold. I think today was, you know, sixties for the high. Yes. Oh, wow. wow. You know, gray skies. It's yeah, not, we have not hit summer here, but, but we call it home. It's definitely, um, you know, we were born and raised here. Um, we've lived here our whole lives, uh, but besides there, in addition to Seattle, uh, there's a couple of other places that are near and dear to our hearts. And it's mainly because our kids went away, our older kids went away for college. And one of them just graduated from Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Um, and we fell in love with San Luis Obispo, just absolutely love it. And then our oldest went to school in New York and actually still lives there. And now both our two oldest will be going to graduate school this fall. So we won't be splitting time as much in California and New York. We'll be spending most of our time when we're away from home in New York. Um, And then we have a third child who is starting school this fall at Seattle University. So he's staying close to home, which we're happy about. (laughs) And uh, so we're on the verge of being empty nesters here. Oh my, how do you feel about that? Oh, it's kind of sad. It's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I love this guy, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's going to be an adjustment. <laughs> we'll get over it. Yep. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, yeah, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say also uh, by day, Joe, Joe has worked at a technology um, company in Seattle, uh, in the Seattle area for a long time for a majority of his working life. But before that, he was a high school English teacher. 
and also a professional musician, professional, professional singer. So um, that's kind of his, his first career. Yeah. And Carmela's day job, she's actually, she has her own bakery business called uh, in Seattle called baby cakes. And prior to that, she was a culinary Academy teacher and uh, uh, a mom and also a teacher. Yeah. An mm-hmm. educator as well. So we have yeah. that in our background. So, yeah. so we, we both have big Italian American families as well. So um, bringing in wine to this already, it's definitely where um, food and wine has sort of collaborated all the time in our family settings. Um, we celebrate a lot as a family and, and really um, our traditions around food and wine have been always very prevalent since we were young. Um, and so uh, at one place is our Sunday night dinners is really kind of a um, special time each week. And that's where we, we do a lot of pairing of food and wine for and, sure. And we're waiting for you guys to come and join us. Yeah. 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 Oh, you mentioned that. Yeah. You sing. <laughs> Will we sing? Um, it, de- <laughs> it depends on how much wine we drink. I think. <laughs> Usually somebody breaks out in song. Yeah. There's oh, okay. <laughs> Good or bad. I don't know if it's always going to be great singing, but <laughs> unless it's him. <laughs> uh, before we get into the interviews, uh, everybody, what what is everybody drinking? This is hilarious. Okay, so <laughs> I'm drinking this rosé. Okay. It's definitely tasty. Um, But I was just reading the label because I was like, I don't know what grapes it's made from. Mm-hmm. All it says is red skin grapes. So that can be hmm. So don't know what that is, um, but it is actually bone dry. Um, so it's very bright red fruit. So bright cherries, strawberries, mm. raspberries on the palate. And um, it's good for a summer. So that's what nice. it is. I didn't want anything too heavy. Yeah. Nice. What about you guys? What are you drinking? Well, uh, in honor of Glennis, we're, we're drinking a Turley. We brought we brought a Turley's in. Nice. It's I don't modic- know if that's an honor. I think you're just teasing me, Joe. <laughs> no, <laughs> what it's- I think is going on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we we did, and uh, it it kind of connects back to uh, our daughter going to school in San Luis Obispo. Uh, the the Turley Winery in Paso was a place that we went to. I brought Carmela's dad to, who's sort of a. I'll talk about this later, but he's sort of my wine inspiration, and it's a place where we like bonded over that wine. So, you know, we, we brought it into this and we know that you like Turley too, Glenn. Oh, yes. So there you I, go. <laughs> I'm down to my last bottle of my case. So I Uh-oh. can't drink that on a warm day. I have to no. wait. I'm just going to let it sit for a minute until it gets a little cool. That's right. Gotcha. Great. But uh, your brother's so perfect for it. Oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's cold yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> right. I've actually um, I went to an event earlier, um, an Austrian wine tasting. So I've been drinking um, Riesling and uh, Gruner's and mm-hmm. um, Pinot Blancs, um, it seems all for it wasn't even a, a long event. It was only for a few hours. But if you go, I think my husband, when I got home, my husband was like, well, how many wines did you taste? I was like, I don't know. I had uh, to stop at like, I, I probably stopped at like 50. There were 13 tables. 50? And, Five yeah. zero? Yeah. Well, in a trade tasting, you learn how to taste. And for, for an event like that, it's just mostly spitting. And yeah. but um, it was 13 tables. Each table had 10 to 20 wines. So when I said stop at 50, that's a small number compared mm-hmm. to what, what wines were there. But um, I did find some interesting ones and uh, and I actually came home and I wanted something red because I think I just needed a, 
a change. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there were reds there, Austrian reds are usually a little bit lighter and, you know, sort of like even have an effervescence and mm-hmm. um, acid. So anyway, I want something big and red. So mm-hmm. I am drinking a Syrah from Walla Walla. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. nice. Have you guys had this before? Tree Devil. We have Tree not. Devil. We have not. Yeah. We, we actually haven't even been to Walla Walla yet. We need what? to go. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. That is a bucket list. And I'll tell you yeah. a little, little secret, insider secret. So our families are from Italy. My grandfather married a Leonetti. And so Leonetti Winery, the owner, the, the original Leonetti and my family, like we're like cousins, long lost cousins. Mm. That's kind of interesting. Wow. Nice. That. Walla Walla. Those That's our Walla of, Walla connection. Claims of fame yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so please tell us the story of your, like, so it seems like did you have wine on the dinner table growing up? What's your, what was your initial relationship with wine? Well, you know, really, I was thinking about that because um, wine in our families, it's definitely mine for sure, was never taboo. You know, a lot of people thought of it as being, you know, something to kind of stay away from. But wine was introduced to us when we were pretty young. And my grandfather, actually, um, he bought a beer and wine distributorship when I, like right before I was born and he had a real connection to, you know, both national and international wines. And he was really the first distributor of San Michelle wines um, in Washington state. So, um, so that was kind of, I mean, we would, we would actually like climb up on the wine, you know, all the stacked up wines in the, his warehouse. And we'd spend a lot of time in the warehouse. And so, you know, it was definitely um, just really Uh, part of our, I mean, it was, you know, something that my grandfather was living off of too. And so with that, um, wine was just kind of around all the time. And my, my mom and my dad and my grandfather would ask us if we wanted to taste the wine. And usually I'd kind of grimace like, no, you know, at 12 years old, no, I don't want to taste it. But, you know, it was always something to talk about acquired, having an acquired taste for eventually. And really that we were always eating and drinking wine at the same time and really enjoying that. So it was a cultural thing for sure for us. And then my dad became a huge collector of wine and um, he started with French wines and then he quickly switched over to Italian wines. And so really it was just part of our family. It was just part of, I mean, really kind of an everyday and we, we respected it and it was just, you know, part of our culture and what we were used to. So that's yeah, kind was, of how it started. Yeah, it was a little different for me growing up. So um, I wasn't really exposed to wine very much. So my mom raised me and my uh, three older brothers by herself after my father died, and she didn't really drink alcohol. And so I didn't know very much about wine growing up. My my her dad and my dad's dad, both Italian immigrants, made their own wine, but that like didn't get passed down to the next uh, generation. And so it was actually Carmela's dad that really turned me on to wine, and is the person who sort of uh, you know, taught me everything. You know, I think some son-in-laws and father-in-laws, they bond over things like, you know, sports or cars, or we bonded over wine and that's, we talk about it and we, it's something that that's just part of, um, you know, what we do. So, you know, and I would say probably wasn't until the last like 10 or 15 years that, you know, serious isn't probably the right word, but where we really started to get curious and learn more and more about wine. So it's, but it, like Carmela said, it's always been around uh, in her family, but really it was her dad for me that that was my inspiration. That's interesting. So your mother 
decided not to drink wine because she knew she had to keep up with all your boys. I think that's, that's right. right. That's right. right. Come yeah. on, give her a break. Yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and then, you know, Carmela had mentioned this before, but really for us, you know, wine, the relationship with wine is really about wine as food. And so while we enjoy tasting wine and drinking wine on its own, we really think a lot about, you know, how does the, how do food and wine go together? That was always part of the dinner, you know, part of the dinner table, especially like Sunday night dinners is what's the food and what's the wine and how do we pair them together? And so for me, that's a really fun part of an interesting part of wine is figuring out like, okay, what food are we going to serve? And then what wine should go with it? And so that's kind of also how our relationship with wine is, is that it's very much, again, sort of this pairing with, with food and how those things work together. It's definitely an experience, you know, just the whole process of choosing and, and then enjoying it. And it's just, yeah, it has become kind of a, an experience, I think too. So. So you might've mentioned this um, before, but excuse me, if I forgot, because I'm right here. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> did you mention what part of Italy your families are from? And have you, have either of you been back there? Yeah, great question. So I'll start. Uh, my family is from Calabria, which is kind of the toe of the boot. And um, my <laughs> my mom and one of my brothers has been back, but I, I have not. And it's definitely a place that I want to go. We visited Italy and we've seen relatives. We met with relatives there because we still have relatives that live there. Uh, but uh, we haven't been to Calabria yet. But So um, my family, so both my parents are Italian, but my, my mom's family is from Puglia, uh, which is, yeah, which is, well, it's in there in the town that they're from is Bari in Puglia. And it's the Achilles tendon of the boot. Um, mm-hmm. And as, um, as a, like a 12 year old and 15 year old, I did spend time there um, and loved it. And of course, at that point I was a really a pre wine drinker. So I wasn't experiencing the wine uh, then, but we, and we still have a lot of family there. And my brother's actually going to be traveling back in about a week to spend time with family there. So, so yeah. And then my dad's family is actually from a little town outside of Naples called Hungary. So yeah. beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how did you guys go from sort of getting to know wine and getting more curious and serious about it to starting your own podcast? Wow. Well, this is uh this is a lot. You got time here. So we got a long story here. So the, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons why we wanted to to launch a podcast. I mean, one is, you know, again, we love wine. We love pairing wine and food. And as I've, you know, trying to maybe instill a little bit of that into my children, my older children who are old enough to drink. So I, I do remember being, this was, you know, in the heart of COVID and our oldest son was living with us and uh, we were sitting at dinner and I was talking about wine, the wine we were drinking and what it was tasting like. And he kind of like, you know, put his head in his hands and said, dad, you should, you should just start a podcast. So, so that was part of it. And then the other part of it was what, you know, Carmela mentioned, mentioned, we're going to be empty nesters. And I thought, you know, we should think about something that we can do together, something that's fun. And so thought, Hey, let's create a podcast. Yeah. Well, that, that is true. And he's really good about that. You know, keeping us, you know, interacting all the time and doing some fun things, but really another big reason is because Joe generally needs some sort of creative outlet. So um, he's definitely an artist and a performer at heart. He's de- he steals the show or, you know, he 
can really, you know, always um, bring in a crowd, you know, he's, he's fun and exciting that way. So for him, you know, he can come up with the ideas. He, he writes scripts. He's a great, you know, writer. So, um, and then the fact that he's, you know, on a microphone is super fun <laughs> for him. So, um, you know, I don't like to steal the mic. I, <laughs> I, yeah, you're, no, you're, you're good at that, but no, no, but, but then, you know, really, um, it's, it, it's something that, you know, it's really fun for him to do. And then it's a little, we kind of try and formulate it into a bit of a show too. So it's a little bit of a performance and, um, and then I don't really have access to the scripts ever. I just kind of show up on, you know, Fridays and, um, and so that kind of makes for a funny, you know, some funny things to pop up some little things that were unexpected for like, he's got the script and like, why did she just jump ahead? Well, of course I didn't know that we were, you know, so that's kind of, you know, part of the reason also that we have kind of tried to pull this off. So, yeah. And, and I think, you know, we have a couple of things like purposes, I think in our show. So one of them is, you know, we really do uh, want to help people who listen to find good wines that are what we call reasonably priced and should be easy to find. And, you know, like I'll say it, I'll just admit it. I will admit it. I'm a little bit cheap. I'm a little bit cheap frugal. by nature. Frugal, frugal. Thank you. Thank you. And don't so don't believe it. I don't believe it. You're drinking Turley. Don't believe it. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that's a rare, although the Turley that we have tonight is their, you know, juvenile. So it's their cheapest one. <laughs> so I'll buy lots of that. Uh, but I do think like uh, one of the things that I love the most is finding wine with a great, you know, QPR, the quality to price ratio. And so my sweet spot is about 20 bucks. So if I can find a $20 bottle of wine that's highly rated or highly regarded, um, you know, that, that, that's like a dream come true. So our podcast really tries to focus on wines uh, that are under 20 bucks and are easy to find. And, you know, hopefully help people discover wines that are good and avoid wines that are bad. And, you know, of course, some of that's, you know, preference, personal preference. And we also understand that. So, you know, there's a certain number of there's certain types and styles of wines that Carmela and I tend to like. We tend to like pretty acid wines that do well with food. Um, and so we kind of lean harder on those when we taste and review wines in the podcast. And, and we know that there will be listeners who disagree. And that's actually totally fine because one of the things we want to do too is kind of um, maybe use our tasting as a little bit of a shortcut for folks. So like, you know, you, you probably have these where there's certain reviewers or certain magazines that you really trust, or you really think, oh, I agree with that. And some that you don't, like, I'm not a Robert Parker fan. I'm just not, you know, I'm just not. So a lot of people love him. I'm just not a Robert Parker fan. So I know if he likes something, I might not like it, but Antonio Galoni now, if he likes something, I'm probably really going to like it. And so we would love it if, you know, our listeners kind of had a little bit of kind of a view into our show of that, which is, hey, if Joe and Carmela like it, I might like it. Or actually, if they if they like it, I might not like it. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a good reference point. Mm -hmm. So so we also, that's, you know, we, oh, go ahead. Go no, I was just going to comment on the point that or something that you said is very interesting. You said you like um, wines with high acid. Well, that lends itself to your heritage because if you think about the mm -hmm. heavy sauces and the meats that mm -hmm. Italians eat, you need something with acid and that mm -hmm. will cut some of the oil and the fat and make it more palatable. So, right. and the, that's, so that's it. That's, that's, exa that's exactly right. And a lot of the wines that we tend to drink a lot, uh, 
in our family are Chianti and Barolo and Barbaresca. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And lots of acid in those wines. So yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) so I have a short story. So last week, (laughs) last week I was at a wine tasting and it was a blind one and we had to rate six wines with our favorite being number one. Well, the number six wine for almost the entire crowd was a French wine. I forgot exactly what it was. To me, it smelled flawed. It it just I, I could mm. smell something on it. I was like, I don't know if this is Brett. I don't know what this is, but it it does. It's not right. Anyway, so I drank all the other wines and I could not finish that one. I was like, ah, I don't know. That's not right. So anyway, when they revealed the wines and we got to number six, um, the winemaker who was leading was like, about number six, what you're smelling is Brett. It's wet cardboard. It's Mm. all of these things. And I was like, ha. So they slid that in there. But he was like, what's funny about Robert Parker and some of these wine ratings, they can't smell it. They'd actually like it. They Mm. like that, that funk on there. But Mm -hmm. some people can't pick that up. So to the listeners, drink what you like. Yeah, drink what you like. like. That's right. Yeah. At the end of the day, just drink what you like. That's interesting, Serena, because it's the same with pinotage. A lot of people can't get mm. past the nose. If you can get past the nose on the pinotage, the wine is delicious. Yeah. Big, bold, acid, well-balanced tannins, but that nose is the barnyard funk. It's funky, mm. yeah. And mm-hmm. people like, so when I came and I serve a pinotage, I was like, hold your nose and get it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Linus, I feel a, I feel an episode coming on where we may have to do oh, a, yeah. a pinotage episode. Mm. I like it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you do. Oh, well, so uh, yeah. So, uh, tell us really quick about categories. Your your show is beautifully structured, and oh. on your website, there's a breakdown of all the categories that I guess you're going to cover or have covered. So tell us about that. Yeah, and and they continue to evolve a little bit. I think mm-hmm. I might need to update the website just a little bit. But we try to we we do try to have some like themes or series. And so one of them is what we call we we won't use the total phrase. It's the WTF series. But the, like the pinotage would be a perfect example yeah. of what we would do. So it's mm-hmm. it's a, a a varietal or a wine that people may not know about, or maybe it's something they've heard about but they're curious about, but they don't know what to think of it. And like Glennis, what you said is perfect. Like get past the funk and get to the you know, get to the the taste, which sounds like a, a song. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, but like the <laughs> he feels a song coming That's on. That's right. <laughs> uh, but you know, opportunity that that episode. You know, so we did one on like WTF is is Vouvray and WTF is Gamay. You know, wines that people may not know, uh, but that maybe want to know about or should know about. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, you know, we obviously do a lot of pairings around food, so we've done. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, foods that you wouldn't normally think that you would pair with like Indian food is sometimes a little more challenging and we've done Greek food and sometimes we'll do ones on like cookouts or, you know, different seasonal ones. Um, we also have done funny ones like, um, tastings with tacos or like Big Macs, like the McDonald's Big Mac, um, just to kind of bring in some people who may not like think, oh, I'm having a Big Mac and they knock, I'm going to have a beer with that. Maybe you might try, you know, a glass of wine. So, um, Definitely pairing food, pairing food and wine is one of our um, topics for sure. Yeah. And we're starting also to do a few more interviews. So we had the Sorrel Suite on, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, we're trying to find 
uh, angles in the wine industry that are maybe a little bit different. So we had a, a person on named Tabitha Compton. They own a winery in Oregon called Compton Family Rinds, and they're really focused on regenerative agriculture, regenerative mm. viticulture. And so talking about that, and we we just this week uh, the the episode we released uh, is, uh, it's, it's a doctor. His name is Dr. Bob Hollander and he started making his own wine and then he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then he started a foundation. And so his wine is actually the gift that you get when you donate to the foundation, which goes to prostate cancer research. So we're trying to find like, if we're going to interview people, like kind of interesting angles on, mm -hmm. you know, on, on approaches to wine or, or insights into wine, like we did with you. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and the other thing we've been trying from time to time is just wine in different formats. We, we just love, we always find it fascinating when they're, you know, putting wine in cans or in bags. And just recently we were gifted some wines, um, <laughs> some what was slush wines. Uh oh, wait a minute. Uh -oh. Joe is laughing. Sorry, hold up. Oh, well, I don't know. It's, not, it's just, we, we kind of, I think because we have kind of branched out and we're doing these different formats and we're always talking about how we love a screw top and that kind of thing. So we had a friend who saw these slush wines. I don't even know if that's what they're called. I don't know. But they're in bags and you're supposed to put them in the freezer and they're like a Slurpee, like a wine Slurpee. So we are like, oh boy, now we're going to have to try these. I don't know. Is the wine already in the bag or is yes. it like, oh, yes. wow. Okay. Yeah. Because back yeah. in the day when I used to go to like, there's a big festival here called Wine in the Woods. At the beginning of Wine in the Woods, there used to be a wine slushy and they used to sell the packets of the slushy mix. And all oh. you had to do was add a bottle of oh, wine, right. mix right. it, and then mm -hmm. you freeze it. And they're, they're right. slushy. Yeah, like the margarita mix. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, they would do that with. But so how did not, that work out for you, Sarita? I mean, well, that oh, that was many moons ago. <laughs> <laughs> my my palate has evolved. You know, I think one of the reasons why we do that, and we also do like you know uh, Costco wines and mm -hmm. et cetera, is and Glennis, actually, you said this when you were on our podcast, but you know, wine sometimes is can be stuffy or it can feel like, I don't, I don't understand it. It seems too regimented to rules. I, it just seems too confusing to me. And so, you know, are there ways in which we can make wine understandable or approachable, or just like, what is, what is wine that an average person might drink and how can we help maybe help them make better, not better, just choices, different choices, right. open right. their, open their eyes to different types of things. So, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that's it. Wow. When we were in Charleston, um, walking down, I think it was King Street or Meaning Street, one of those main streets. And then, so I see this in this parking lot because it was hot. I was like, hey, I need something to drink. <laughs> so in this parking lot, you know, as a kid, your mind's like, oh, there's an ice cream truck, right? We make our way over <laughs> to the parking lot, ice cream truck. So the first thing I see on the ice cream truck, I was like, oh, those popsicles. Then I looked up, I was like, Adult popsicles. Oh, don't uh, no so the story, the moral to this story is they had every range from six percent alcohol mm -mm. all the way up to 17% alcohol. Wow. So wine, spirit, spirit, true alcohol. And then over there in the corner, in case you came up with your cheering, as they say in Gullah, a chat. We came up with your chat. You could get a popsicle without alcohol, but the main part, it's so the slushy. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, did you get one? 
girl, yeah, you know, so <laughs> I said, I want the mojitos. Oh, that sounds give, so good. Give me the you went to the top. You went right to the top. Top shelf. <laughs> it wasn't good. It was delicious. What was so funny about this? So when he handed it to you, handed it to us. So Keitha got a um, rum one. He handed. I was like, but I'm not surprised that it's not totally frozen, right. rock hard because it got so much alcohol. Yeah, because alcohol doesn't freeze as quick. That's as right. 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 Mm-hmm. right, right, right. So it had a whole lot of alcohol, and we're walking outside and holding it. I said, so we got 98.6, we got 90 degrees. You have no chance. Let me hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> How fun! So yeah. So that slushy. Um, Reminded me of that. I thought yeah. you might have to try we'll to see. We'll let you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know. Okay. That's so fun. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay. Last race question before we get to our closeouts. Um, if you guys could have anyone in the world on your podcast, who would you have? And you can this world them. sweet. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well luckily we yeah we yeah we, that was a bucket list for sure. Yeah, we, so. we checked that box, but <laughs> we want you again for yeah. sure. Um, I, you know, that was, this is a hard question. Um, I think, you know, I just mentioned this person, but one, one person that would be really interesting would be a, a, a major critic like Antonio Galoni from Vinius or somebody, somebody who has a palette that I really, you know, identify with and just kind of understand like, how do they learn about wine and how do they taste wine and what do they look for? And, and, and so I think that would be interesting. And I, and I also think it would be really cool to have a, like a famous chef, whether that's an, you know, internationally famous chef or somebody local, but to just kind of understand, because again, like part of our theme, I guess, is food and wine and how do food and wine go together. And so, you know, we have some great restaurateurs here in the Seattle area, like uh, Renee Erickson and Ethan Stoll and some, you know, some awesome chefs like Holly Smith and, and different people. And I would love to have some of them on the show and just kind of get a sense for how do you think about putting food and wine together? What do you look for? Uh, If you're doing a broad menu, you know, how would you think differently about, you know, different wine and food pairings and why, you know, maybe what are some unusual pairings that you put together that people may have said this might not work, but actually it worked really well. And and so uh, that would be, that would be super fun, but. Actually, Antonio's been on um, the podcast before. He's a uh, he has a lot in common with you, Joe. He's also a musician, and he's Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you might have to connect us. Of course, of course. Okay. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, come, did you have one? You know, you know when when we talked about it, these ones came. They came to mind, so we sort of answered for the two of us too. Okay. But I think that would be okay. definitely. Um, yeah, those would be highlights for sure to have okay. somebody like one of these, a couple of these folks someday. Cool. Glennis, any other questions for Joe and Camilla? Oh, I have a whole lot of questions, but we <laughs> go ahead with this stuff. I might have to ask, ask them offline. We were talking about Italians, you know, some Italian men are just so fine. So that's all fine. So stop. Go. Hey, John, where is it? <laughs> Okay, so... Um, these are our closeout questions and you guys are going to answer these questions about each other. Okay. 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 All right. First one, easy one. What is his or her pet peeve? Mm, okay. So for, for Joe, it's very simple. No, he's definitely, um, he has a hard time with poor grammar. Poor. Oh, oh. 
poor grammar and poor, he says, poor pronunciation. <laughs> oh I was God. an English That's, teacher. I was a yeah. high school English I said, teacher. Yeah. So, you know, he, so I mean, I cannot get through a paragraph and he'll like, I'll just be speaking and he'll correct something. So. Our, wait, our Glenn, is your, was your mom a teacher? My mom, yep. She was and so was Tanisha's years. mom was a teacher. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. Tanisha's mom was a teacher wow. too. So yeah, well, maybe you can it. relate, Glenn. So Sarita so mentioned relate? that because she knows if I'm sitting somewhere and somebody uses, I'm like, oh, <laughs> and my body gets closer to these convulsions. <laughs> so Glenn, can I tell you something? Our daughter, who's you know, she's very smart. She just graduated from college. Like she, she still has not figured out how to use a comma and it drives me crazy. But you know, she's a math science kid. And so the two of them clash because he's English. And and so it's like, you know, she can run circles around him when it comes to sciences or whatever, but yeah, yeah, but he, she says one thing incorrectly or doesn't use a comma where she's supposed to. And he's just like, you know, he can't, he can't take it. He's like, how are you? My daughter. (laughs) (laughs) But she's your daughter too. Right. The science part of it. She got an the X from you and an X from her. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then for Carmela, her pet peeve, I think, is just when things are not tidy. Carmela is very oh. tidy. Hmm. Everything's always clean, clean, clean. So I think if things are untidy, she just, it drives her a little bit crazy. Well, I just don't off. get it. I'm just always like, what? I don't, this is going to be here for the next five years unless we take care of it right now. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm a little, a little overly fussy, probably, but <laughs> sounds like an Italian mom to me. Very much. So. I think you're right. I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. So I was, I grew oh, up in okay. Yeah. 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 I bet. <laughs> okay. Next one. Um, what is each other's favorite summer wine? I'd say for Joe, really probably some kind of sparkling wine. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now right. he's even getting into the sparkling rosés, which is mm-hmm. super fun because mm-hmm. what that wasn't always the case. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I would definitely sparkling all year round, but summertime, that's what he'll be drinking yeah. on a warm day. Yeah, I think that's right. Good job. Right. And then I think Carmela's would be a, I think yours would be a Sauvignon Blanc. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Very Love nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I have not just like t- said all my stuff. <laughs> Yay! Sauvignon Blanc is my go-to oh. white wine. When we're talking about sparkling, sparkling rosés are phenomenal. Mm. I could drink them all day, especially sparkling Cremant. That's what we but, had uh, last night, Glennis. We had a Cremant from Burgundy. We're fighting over it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. It was delicious. Get a chance. Try sparkling Syrah okay. from oh. Australia called per- from. Australia Paringa. Delicious. Okay. Okay. For sure. For sure. If you have to have some cold, hot, cold wine, bubbles on a hot, hot day. That's it. Ooh, okay. Sounds great. All right. All right. Next one. What is each other's favorite wine pairing? <laughs> well, I think it's funny because we do our Sunday dinners and usually I'm doing the primo piatti, the primo piatti where I'm doing the pasta or making the pasta. Joe always is concentrating on the meat. And I think that's when he's, his mind starts to work on what wine we're going to be pairing with the meat. So I bet it's like a roast with a Barolo. Mm, I like that. That's what my I'll, guess I'll would be. That. I think we do that I'll a lot on Sundays. Yeah, so I like that. Okay. I think for Carmela, so there's a little joke. It's sort of a joke, but whenever Carmela loves Mexican food, 
but she invariably, so we go and, uh-huh. and we look at the menu and she always is like, I'm not sure what I want. But the thing is, she always gets the same thing. <laughs> she always gets the same. It's always fish Trying tacos. Trying to be a little unpredictable, but. Yeah, she always gets the fish tacos. So I think it would be fish tacos and like a vino verde or a fish tacos and albarino or something like that. I think. Mm, how's that? Very that's nice. That's, 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 that's I'll do take okay? it. Did I do okay? Yes, you did. Fish tacos. Awesome. Is that dinner she'll, tonight? She'll <laughs> even say, she'll even say, she'll look at the menu at the Mexican restaurant and she'll say, what do I want? And everybody will say fish tacos. It's not even like. But she still wants to order last because she may change her mind. Uh, It's never happened. Trying to branch out, but I just, yeah, I just keep getting pulled. You know, when you know something's good, you just keep going back to it, right? Can I actually, what are your signs? Oh, Oh, I'm Aquarius. Uh Cancer. My girl. (laughs) July 13th. July 7th. Wow. And my best friend's birthday is July 13th. Oh, nice. That is so we are and all daughter, about July. Our daughter's July 4th. Yeah, we have a 4th July, of July 3rd, baby. 4th. I'm sorry. What did 4th, you do? 4th. July 4th. Wow. I was supposed to be on July 4th, but say, you know what? It's too much damn noise. I don't want to share my birthday. Yeah. That's smart. It's smart because you know what happens now? We don't get to even see her. She's always running off with her friends. 4th of um, July. She wants, you know. So that's funny though. Yeah. It's a oh, good that's month. Oh, that's funny. And how long have y'all been married? Did y'all say that before? I'm sorry. Uh, forever. Is yeah, what he said forever. Uh, no, but, it's no. Uh, tw- 27 years. 27 wow. Years. Yeah. Yeah. We were married when we were five and six. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Although I have well, known Joe since I was 11. I you should, you, we can see well, this on Zoom. You should have seen Sarita's face. Yeah, she was like... <laughs> we do we do we say that it maybe it was an arranged marriage yeah, you know so yeah. we, don't, uh, we don't know we don't i know. truly i knew this yeah i knew joe when i was i met him when i was 11 so wow don't even that's a long yeah. story that's a so, whole okay. cool thing okay next one what is each other's go-to cocktail all right, this one's easy. This one's easy for Carmela. Oh, for you or for, for me? For you. Oh, okay. It's a margarita. For sure. Without. Yeah. With no. the fish tacos, what else? I mean, exactly. come on, yeah. it's perfect. Oh, I know. I do like a good margarita. That's but what for about sure. Me? For you, I would say either like a vodka martini. Ooh, I do like. Or that. just straight up tequila. Mm-hmm. You know, like he <laughs> bypasses the whole margarita thing. He just wants to sip on some good tequila yeah i like that yeah, yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. well I, it sounds like we do need to come over we have a lot mm-hmm. of same palette yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it's so fun it's so fun <laughs> okay next question what region does he and she want to visit next hmm well i think for joe i mean right out of the gates i think he would run to burgundy mm-hmm. and then probably champagne mm-hmm and I don't know. I mean, then uh, maybe off to Piedmont. Yeah, okay. I think that's, that's right. I think. I think that's right. I think so. And you already kind of asked this question, Glennis, when you asked where we're from. I think if Carmela, uh, the the next place wine region would probably be go back to Puglia. Yeah. To a little Primitivo and mm-hmm. you know see the family and so I think and maybe then end up maybe in in Venice and have some suave Ooh. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting the travel bug for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> well, that will cure some of that empty nester feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Last question for you guys. When dining out, who is more likely to send a drink or meal back? Hmm. Well, you know, the funny thing well, it's is definitely Glennis. And I, I thought of her <laughs> when I wrote the question. But. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, that's kind of a skill. Like, I feel like being able to, you know, be assertive like that in like a gentle Confident. yet firm way, yeah. you know, but I think Joe is not super confrontational. And he also is like, he kind of feel like he would feel, it would I kind of bad. tug at his I heart a little bit. Like he'd feel, he, I don't know what it is. Yeah. That kind of thing. He'd probably muscle through it unless it was something really wrong. Um, <laughs> Then he'd get mad and maybe like stew inside, but <laughs> I'd be irritated, but I wouldn't say anything. It's very Seattle. I'd be yeah. passive aggressive. Exactly. He griped to me, but then he'd be, oh, thanks so much. This is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, you know, Carmela is not really, I don't think either of us are really people that would send something back, but I do think so. All of our kids, for whatever reason, all of our kids have food allergies mm. of, of one type or another. And so Carmela would probably send something back, even if it was her own food, she would send something back if it had like nuts on it. Yeah. The mama bear, the mama bear syndrome. She just wouldn't like feel good in. about it. She just wouldn't feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, and so that, that might go back. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. See, the interesting part about that, I'm very specific when I order. So I said, I told you when I ordered mm. And they bring it out that way anyway. So now it's got to go back. And then I'll probably say, I don't want it. I don't want it. Because I don't <laughs> like, like not even, don't, even remake, don't, don't even remake it. Just like nope. done. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope. Not messing uh-uh. with these kitchens and um, waiters and staff. Nope. <laughs> nope, I'm good. So they don't get it wrong the next time though, right? Don't have to right. worry about it. Just take this back. <laughs> um, Thank you though, with a smile. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Oh man, guys, this was so fun. Thank you for joining Thank us you. today. Thank oh, you. Thank, Thank you, so you much for joining us. Oh, yeah. We had a great time. Really nice time. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Before go you go, tell everybody where to follow you. Sure. Uh, where they can find find your podcast. Yeah, you bet. So uh, you can find our website is thewinepairpodcast.com. And you can find us on any podcast service, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon Music, whatever it is. And then um, Instagram is probably the, the best social media. So the Instagram is thewinepairpodcasts at Instagram and you can DM us and contact us and visit our website and listen to our, all that stuff, you know, all that fun stuff. And, uh, oh, I should say one more. And you can also email us at joe at the winepairpodcast.com, but it will go to both of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Thank nice. you yeah. so Thank much. Thank you so much. This was great, great guys. So oh, much yes. fun. Outstanding. Yeah. A lot of fun. We're going to set a table, you know, set a couple We're spots waiting. for you next time. Thanks for joining this Royal Suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Buy Me Up. Glennis at Vino Noir. Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha. Vino 301 is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media.